You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer hard questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, welcome back to Sunnybrook Unscripted. I'm Lydia Miller here with Pastor Jeff, uh, and we are continuing our discussion on the Trinity, really. And today we're focusing in, I'm excited, we're going to focus in on the Holy Spirit and all that comes with that. I feel like this is a topic that even though I grew up in the church, I, f- I feel like I'm still continually wrapping my mind around all that this is. Yeah, this is probably the most controversial topic, at least yeah. within Christian circles, because yes. it seems to divide. Yep. So, are you nervous? To- yeah, we need, to, we need to handle it carefully. <laughs> I have total faith in you. So briefly describe, we'll start there, just briefly describe the Holy Spirit if somebody's not super familiar with its, the role that it plays. Yeah, again, since we just got done talking about the Trinity, I would just remind you, this is the third person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is every bit God. Mm-hmm. Recognize that. He has a work, he has a role within that, and we'll talk about that in our time together. But I always think this with regards to the Holy Spirit is he, he is a little bit quieter. He's a little bit more behind the scenes. So if you talk about the Father, you talk about the Son and his work on the cross and his teaching, it always seems to me that the Holy Spirit is a little bit more shy. It, it just seems like his greatest work is usually done behind scenes, doesn't call much attention to himself. But the work and the role of the Holy Spirit is certainly the work and the role of God, but in a quieter fashion. Mm -hmm. So what do we see the Holy Spirit do? There's a huge difference, and there really is. There's a line in the sand kind of that Jesus draws where he says, send the helper, send the Holy Spirit uh, to indwell their spirits. So what's what was he doing before that? So before Jesus kind of marks that in a sense back into heaven, what was happening with the Holy Spirit then? Was he just in heaven? Was he... Yeah, I think that's a critical connection, Lid, in this respect, is we said the Holy Spirit was every bit God hovering over the earth before the earth was created. We said he was involved in the work of salvation and Jesus on the cross. He's going to come again. So I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit has always been present. So it's not like when Jesus prays for the sending of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, that this is the first time he appears. Mm -hmm. He's actually been there throughout the entire Old Testament. But when he comes in the New Testament, he comes in a very different fashion. So In the Old Testament, again, the Holy Spirit was present, but he would come upon people. He never indwelt people. Now, we'll talk about in a moment the fact that the Spirit of God indwells every believer in Jesus Christ now. But in the Old Testament, he would come upon people, usually for a special task or for a special purpose, and then he would often leave. For instance, you remember he came, you know, to King Saul, who was... Uh, eventually anointed by the Spirit of God. He came to David, you remember, Mm -hmm. and usually there was this symbol of the anointing, Mm -hmm. which really was the presence of God, was through oil. So he would come and he would go. In fact, do you remember when David committed his sin, and it records in Psalm chapter 51, one of the things he cried out is, take not thy Holy Spirit from Mm -hmm. me. Because he knew there was a sense when uh, you know, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for tasks. There, there was a sense you felt in the presence of God and moved and empowered. And the last thing he wanted mm-hmm. was for the Holy Spirit to be taken from him because the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come and he would go. 
But eventually when we come to some of the prophets, you'll remember in Joel chapter 2 it says, there is a day coming, and it was prophesying into the future, when my Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all of mankind. That day came at Pentecost. You know, in Acts chapter 2, this is seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the Holy Spirit for the first time shows up in an indwelling way. And you remember, it was followed by all sorts of pyrotechnics. There was <laughs> tongues and fire and wind. And, but actually what, what was taking place at that moment in time was just calling attention to the fact that for the first time, the Spirit of God was going to indwell people. That mm -hmm. when we came to know Christ as their Savior, that the Spirit of God was actually going to take up residence inside of every single person mm -hmm. that knew Christ as their Savior. So in the Old Testament, He would come and go. Uh, now since Pentecost, He comes and He indwells mm -hmm. every single believer. Does that mean we have it almost easier than people in the Old Testament. Like I think about all that the Holy Spirit does on our behalf and what the work of the Holy Spirit is and it, it moves you to certain things. It allows you to really hear from God. I mean, what was it? Was it much more difficult for them? I, I think so. Yeah. I think theologically speaking, though nobody wants to hear this, I'm sure now, but I think New Testament believers have it much easier than Old Testament yeah. believers do because, and again, this is our biggest struggle in the Christian life to begin with is, what we've got to do is get out of the way mm -hmm. of the work of the Spirit of God inside of us. Yeah. Everything you and I need to live a godly, righteous life has been given to us. Mm -hmm. And you and I can often grieve the Spirit, quench the Spirit. You know, there's always this sense, I always think that the work of the Spirit is much like breathing. We exhale our sin and we breathe in the Spirit. So we're constantly saying, God, listen, I want to live under surrender, uh, unsurrendered control of you. I want you, in a sense, to work through me. And I, I think New Testament believers have the power and the ability mm -hmm. for the first time mm -hmm. to actually live the Christian life because of the power of the Spirit of mm -hmm. God inside of us. So what is the work of the Holy Spirit? And, and, and when do you receive it? Yeah, uh, those are... <laughs> let's talk about both of those. Okay. Those are two very interesting questions. Let's talk about the work of the Spirit of God first. I would say this. I would say, first of all, the work of the Spirit of God is the work of regeneration. We talked mm -hmm. about that a little bit in the last podcast. But the Spirit of God is the one who goes before and He begins to do a work in our hearts. Ezekiel 36 talks about the fact that He's taking a heart of stone and He's giving us a heart of flesh. Mm -hmm. So the first work of the Spirit of God is this calling, this wooing, or as it talks about in John chapter 6, this drawing. So he draws us, shows us our sin, shows us our need for a Savior. Mm -hmm. So if you ever felt in your life, and usually this happens with brand new Christians, go, man, for the first time I, I'm sitting in a service or I'm reading the Word and there's something that's drawing, something, mm -hmm. feel, that, that's the work of the Spirit yeah. of God. We call it the work of regeneration. And don't you think that that's what's at work when people sit there and they think, gosh, I thought you were talking exactly to me. Exactly. It's not that you're brilliant, no offense, but no. it's that the Holy Spirit is already at work in that moment and in that situation yeah. working before you. In fact, I laugh at times because I'll have two people come out of the uh, <laughs> service and say, God said this to me, and the pers other person will say, God said the exact opposite. Yeah. I, and I used to want to correct them. Yeah. Then I'm like, no, actually, mm -hmm. that's the work of the Spirit of God yep. in their life going before us. That's, mm -hmm. that's His number one thing. Secondly is this indwelling, and we talked about this mm -hmm. already, but the moment we come to know Christ as our Savior, we get all of the Holy Spirit that we're ever going to need. So He indwells believer mm -hmm. and grafts them into the body of Christ. You be, and I become a part of the family of God. That's the work of the Spirit mm -hmm. of God. He indwells. Uh, thirdly is He usually, you know, and this is the one that gets a little controversial, He baptizes us. And again, 
Baptism in that day and age is simply the engrafting into the very body of Christ. So he baptizes us with the Spirit of God that you and I, in a sense, have the ability to live from inside out to honor and to please him. Not a water baptism. Not a water baptism, no. And again, uh, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but I don't think it's a subsequent experience. Hmm. I think every bit of the Holy Spirit that you need, you get at the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. You are baptized in the Spirit of God. You are engrafted into the very body of Christ. And uh, again, we'll talk about that in a moment. The last one, though, I want to just make mention of that we don't often think of is the work of the Holy Spirit also seals us. Hmm. Um, you might remember about in Ephesians chapter 4, he will say, and, and he has given to us the Spirit as deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It's actually referring to an engagement ring. When it uses the Spirit as a deposit, it's, it's this idea that I'm betrothed to you, meaning, in a sense, there's no way to break our relationship. I think it has to do with the assurance of salvation and those kinds of things. But once the Spirit of God takes up residence inside of me, then He seals me. Um, this idea of no one can snatch them from the Father's hand. What He has guaranteed, He's going to see to completion until the day we get home to be with God. That nothing in this world can ever separate us from Him. He seals us. It's one of the works of the Holy Spirit until He takes us home. Uh, and I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned this a little bit, um, but considering the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? What do people believe? Where are um, common lines drawn in terms of what people feel yeah. like they see in Scripture and what would we say we feel like we see yeah. in Scripture? And again, this is going to be a little bit divergent from maybe mm -hmm. what more charismatic groups would hold, but here's Sunnybrook's Communities Church. And again, you can search Scripture on this for yourself and and make a decision. But I would say, first of all, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I said it already, but I want to remind you that places you in Christ. So when you receive Christ as your Savior, 150 times in the New Testament does it say in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And again, the idea behind that is that's the work of the Spirit of God. He places you in Christ. So, so that's number one. Second thing I would say, and this is one that's going to be a little bit controversial, we believe at Sunnybrook there is one baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe it takes place at the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. We don't think you get the Holy Spirit on installments where you get a little bit now, mm -hmm. and then when you grow a little bit more, you get more of the Holy Spirit of God. Some people will say then it's accompanied by signs and wonders and tongues and those kinds of things. If that's true, we think that takes place at the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. It's not as if you grow or have a crisis experience or those kinds of things. Then you get a greater amount of the Holy Spirit of God. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit, much like salvation, is not earned. It's not as if you grew and now, okay, now you're worthy of more of the Holy Spirit. We believe, much like salvation, that the Holy Spirit is a gift. And it's given to you one time. Now again, we talked about this before, but I can both quench the Spirit, I can grieve the Spirit, I can allow the Spirit of God to somehow be more held up inside of me and not release that it should, yep. but I think all of the Holy Spirit we need, we get at the moment of salvation. And, and then the last thing is just simply this, I believe it's also universal, and by that I mean that I think every single believer has the same amount of the Spirit of God hmm. the moment they surrender their lives hmm. to Christ. Uh, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it will say this, listen, were we not all baptized by the same Spirit when we came to know Christ? Mm -hmm. Meaning, in a sense, it's universal for every single believer. 
Because sometimes I, I get this concern, especially in um, charismatic circles, that those who maybe have more of the Spirit of God or think they have more of the Spirit of God, and it's given in signs and tongues, they feel as though there's a little bit of elitism to them. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we feel a little bit less than. I remember feeling that in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted more than anything else to speak in tongues. And I remember gathering with people to be able to do it. I felt like such a failure in that. And then I just realized that that maybe is not the gift that I'm going to be given. That's mm-hmm. not good or yep. bad. Yep. But again, I, I, I actually, Scripture would say the greatest gift to seek is actually mm-hmm. prophecy. It's not tongues. Yep. But uh, again, this idea uh, of somehow we're second-class citizens, I just think we've got to remind ourselves it is this sense of being placed in Christ. We think it's a one-time from Sunnybrook and our theological understanding of Scripture. It's a one-time event, and we think it's universal. It's for mm-hmm. every single believer. Because you know as well as I do, there's there's moments in your life where you're leaning more into God's will, God's plan, what God has for you, the Spirit of God, how He's moving. And that doesn't mean that He's given you more of Himself. It just means that you're more apt to listen to it. Yeah, and I've said it already, but I think it's about surrender. Yeah. I think there are yeah. moments and times where more surrendered. I know that in my own walk with the Lord where I'm spending time on the Word, I'm conscious, I'm spending time in prayer and quality, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then there's something where I feel as though I'm surrendered and submitted. We even talked about it with regards to the church today at an elders meeting, just mm-hmm. saying the more that this church surrenders to God, the greater things God mm-hmm. can do through them. So I don't think it's about an amount of the Spirit of God. I think it's about how much you and I are willing to surrender to yeah. that. God's given us everything we need mm-hmm. in order to live the Christian life, to do ministry, mm-hmm. Whatever it is our desire, and you and I got to surrender to it. Absolutely. Well, we've talked about God. We've talked about the Holy Spirit. We saved the best, well, no offense to all the other two, but I think Jesus is the most that we have uh, just life on earth and stories about and all of that. I'm really excited to get into that. So in the next coming weeks, we're going to take a look at uh, Jesus, his life on earth, uh, what that means for us, um, and things that go along with that. So make sure uh, you join us in the next couple weeks for the study of Jesus. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.